Before we get into today's episode, I have a quick message from my sponsor, Cloudways. Cloudways is a managed cloud hosting platform that simplifies your web hosting experience. The platform allows businesses to focus on their growth and have complete peace of mind with 24-7 support and flexibility to scale. Can we just say support is hugely important when it comes to hosting? And thanks to Cloudways, they are offering an exclusive discount for the Kim Doyle Show listeners. Visit cloudways.com and use the promo code KIM20 to get 20% off for two months on the hosting plan of your choice. All right, guys, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to F the Hustle. I'm your host, Kim Doyle. You want a life that is meaningful and exciting. In this podcast, we're going to talk about launching and growing an online business that fits your lifestyle. F the Hustle is all about doing good work, building real relationships, and most importantly, creating a business that supports how you want to live your life. You don't have to sacrifice the quality of your life today to create something that sets your soul on fire. And yes, that includes making a lot of money. So we'll be talking about selling, charging what you're worth, and how earning more means helping more people. My goal is to help you find freedom and create a business on your terms. Okay. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of F the Hustle with Kim Doyle. I, of course, am your host, Kim Doyle. And today's episode is episode 88 of F the Hustle with Kim Doyle, formerly the Kim Doyle Show, formerly the WordPress Chick Podcast. <laughs> oh, nothing like iterating. I love it. So today's episode is going to be a little bit different. And this was kind of one of those where I was you know, uh, sort of not unless I do, but solo show was next up on my agenda, so to speak. And I have a few interviews that are already recorded and edited. And anyways, I try to try to balance this out a little bit. Um, so today this came off the back end of a session with my therapist, AKA mentor. You guys have heard me talk about her so many times. So I thought, you know, I, I realized this month I have hit 14 years in business. What the bucket? That's crazy, guys. But um, yeah, I hit 14 years and I started looking back at things. And after my session this morning, which was a more emotional session with her, um, I thought, you know, there's some value in this. There's some nuggets in here, which I always get nuggets anytime I talk with her. But this was sort of how it plays out in my business as well. So today's episode is episode 88, and it is why I still talk to my therapist 18 years later and the impact on my business. So I've mentioned on many episodes that I have a therapist and I still talk to her regularly, even though technically she's quote unquote retired. Um, but I'm hoping this episode will be helpful in hearing how this relationship has evolved and why I still talk to her 18 years later. And you guys, this summer will be 19 years, which blows me away. Um, and so for those of you who have been listening to the show for a while, <laughs> previous iterations and names, some of this might be a little bit of a repeat in terms of the backstory, but I encourage you to listen anyways, because the perspective I have today is completely different than the perspective I had when I first started podcasting. And who I am today is significantly different. And just as a side note, I, which I think I address this later on too, but I've been podcasting since 2013. And so, God, that's wild to me that nine years later, 
Oh, anyways. So I'm, I'm a very different person today than I was nine years ago. I think I'm a different person today than I was yesterday, hopefully. Um, anyway, so we're going to kind of jump in and do a little bit of the backstory first. And again, if you've heard this, sorry, but I want to bring people up to speed. So I started therapy in 2003. It was a couple months after I lost my husband in a car accident. He was 32. Our kids were little. They were six and two. Prior to this, I didn't think I was someone who needed therapy. Now, I feel like everybody needs therapy and would benefit greatly. I, I think with everything we've all, all gone through in the last few years, I'm hoping it's really put um, a highlight on the importance of mental health. And mind you, you need to be lucky enough to find the right therapist, which I was. So I initially went to therapy for grief counseling, and I more or less considered that to be the only reason I was going for the first couple of years. And still to this day, this cracks me up. (laughs) She told me that when I first went in, I was like, I'm not doing any of that childhood stuff. (laughs) I'm just here for grief counseling. (sighs) It's so funny. You know, when you look back at who you were, anyways, I'll go two sideways with that one. So again, I went for grief counseling and it's funny because when I went, I first I had, after I lost my husband, I went to, um, I was determined that I was going to do grief right. And I had first gone to, God, was it through hospice? I found like a group thing and my mom had gone with me and everybody there was lovely, but it was almost harder because these were people who had lost a parent or an elderly spouse, they had been caring for them in hospice. And then I felt bad because they were all consoling me because my husband was so young. And it was just, it was, it was a trip. Um, Beautiful human beings, but it was kind of a trip. And then I went to a recommendation, a referral from somebody. And I went to the first therapist I went to, I remember walking in and she said, so you're here because you're in an abusive relationship. And I was like, no an idiot in my head, right? But I should have just walked out, but I did not. Um, and she just, ugh. anyways, needless to say, next I went to my therapist and I probably could just use her name. I'm not giving her a last name, but um, so then I found Susan and she was one of my dearest friends had been, had been going to her. Anyway, what was interesting is that at the time, you know, I would sort of call her for a session when I needed her like two weeks ago. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, I really was not in tune with, um, I just wasn't in tune with my feelings to that degree. And at the same time, I felt very like it was a, how do I want to say this? Um, God, I'm going to be stumped for words, you guys. And you not believe this. It's like a 2600 word post, but it was a socially acceptable reason to be going to therapy because I sort of prided myself on my parents were still married. I love my family, blah, 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 all that stuff. Right. Anyway. So I, I, I probably, I could have gone weekly during that time. It was, it was just whatever, but it is what it is. Okay. Moving on, Kim. So then she told me she was moving out of the area and closing her practice, but me being me, I asked if I could stay in touch. So I'd email now and then and ask if we could do, you know, I would say 
I kind of emailed hello now and then, and it wasn't until I'm trying to do the math for you guys. So 2003, I found her 2005. She moved out of the area. 2007. I was really miserable. I had gone back to us. I'm not going to get into the job stuff. Anyways, I was at a job I absolutely hated and truly was just almost suicidal. Like what am I doing with my life? And knew I wouldn't do that to my kids, honestly. And I'm not saying that lightly, but, um, so then I asked if we could do phone sessions, fast forward a few more years. And then I was like, I want to see you in person. And she had moved three hours North of me. Fortunately, uh, she said, sure. And since I was making the trek, said we could keep the sessions open-ended in terms of time. These sessions pretty much became a standard three hour session. And so that was my whole day. You know, it was three hours up, three hours with her, three hours home. But I really looked at these days as a gift to myself. And most people knew, most like family and friends that were part of my day to day knew not to try and get in touch with me. This was like my Susan day. And there was something soothing about the solitude and the time in the car before and after my session. Because what I would often do is, well, often I recorded our sessions and I would listen to them on the way home. And I'd have these like ride home epiphanies is what I started calling them. And I, I, anyways, it was, it was really something that I did for myself and the best money I've ever spent on myself. So in between seeing her in person, I'd have phone sessions, but it was more of an as needed basis. I'd have an in-person session usually every two months, unless I was going through something. And there were times I'd, I, a couple times I turned around and came back up the following week. So those we'd book out because just the trek. Anyway, so that was pretty much the standard, right? Fast forward to 2020 and <clears throat> right after I'd moved to Boise, the pandemic struck and everyone went into lockdown. So I was stuck in Boise. She was stuck in Costa Rica. So you can connect the dots, right? Her love of Costa Rica is what put it on my radar. Um, and a few months into the pandemic, I was struck with this inspiration. And this is something I have not talked a lot about a little bit, but I just said to her, it just, I had this idea. I said, you know what? I want to raise my vibration. Are you game? And I, you guys, I had no idea what that looked like or what it meant, but I had a feeling she'd be up for it. She's like, yeah. So we have similar spiritual beliefs. So I, I just knew she would get this. Anyway, two years later, you guys, unless something comes up, I'm still doing weekly calls with her or I'm fortunate enough that I get to see her when she's in Costa Rica. So <clears throat> here's, that's kind of the, the little bit of a backstory, right? So sharing this, how this looks in terms of when I started kind of pulling this into my business, I first started sharing it on the podcast like I'm doing right now. And my intention when I started podcasting was simply to have more fun in my business. I, which I wish we collectively, myself included, could approach more things from that place of just joy and what lights you up and what is fun and what do you want to create? Because those are all the things that work for me. That's more or less where I'm at today, but it took a while to get here. And so when I started the podcast at the time, I was still doing WordPress websites. I had an outsourcing company and I was just starting to coach people. I was coaching clients with similar businesses. And <clears throat> when I started my business in 2008, I had a completely different vision for what it was going to be as opposed to what it turned into. And I love that one of my favorite sayings is ignorance truly is bliss because 
I, yeah, if someone had told me it would take the time and challenges it took, I would have, I would have been like, no, you're wrong. I've got this, but you know, so be it. But because I wasn't stuck on how things had to be, I let it grow and evolve. And I'd say I've done this with every iteration of my business. In coming back to the ignorance is bliss piece, this whole world was was brand spanking new to me. I've never, I'm not a developer, I'm not a programmer. The internet was pretty new, internet business, like all of this. So, so I was such a sponge for learning something new. I loved each new tool and tech and you know, every time I, I got a glimpse into what could be, I, it was just this massive validation that I was on the right path. And so when I started podcasting in 2013, I structured the show on two things, excuse me, what I wanted to do and the types of shows I enjoyed listening to. Meaning, you know, I just wanted to get out from being, excuse me, sorry guys, let me get a little sip of water here. I just wanted to get out from being behind the computer uh, at the time, you know, and I have always been a huge fan of audio content. Again, those of you who've listened know that I was like the cassette tape and the car girl for years. Okay. Which is even how I came across internet marketing, listening to a CD set from Mark Victor Hansen on building your mega speaking empire. And there was an internet marketer in there. And I was like, what, what is this? What is this world? Anyway. So back to the podcast, I set the show up to do a solo show one week and an interview the next week, which is usually the goal, but it it really varies at this stage with podcasting. I sort of go with who do I feel like talking to or what do I feel like talking about? So when I did the solo shows, I started sharing little snippets here and there of things that I had talked to my therapist about or a nugget of wisdom from her. And let me be super clear, you guys. Even though I did this, meaning I was sharing little bits and pieces and I wasn't hinting at a therapist. And I probably called her my mentor many times before referring to her as my therapist. Um, Even though I did this, I was super nervous about what people would think when I mentioned my therapist. That being said, the desire to share was stronger than my fear of judgment from anyone else. The more honest I was about my own experiences, the stronger the connection to my audience became. It, so many people have said to me multiple times when I share <laughs> kind of the shit show, right? I don't, I don't know what it is about business failures that I'm like, oh, that didn't work. That didn't work, right? I, for some reason, I don't mind failing forward there when it comes to who I am as a person and doing things right or wrong, man, I do a number on myself. So that honesty really created a strong connection. And side note, think about that with your content in terms of sharing behind the scenes and what's happening and what worked and what didn't work. You know, pulling in that element of vulnerability and empathy and compassion for the struggle, you know, shows, makes you more relatable. Okay. So one of the things for myself is I'm pretty conscientious about not sharing when I'm in the middle of whatever I'm going through. And I do that for two reasons. The first is that it's a higher level of commitment and love for myself to keep that space sacred. And the older I get, this is, man, what did I say to her a few weeks ago? I was like, you know, I wouldn't go back 10 years 
I wouldn't, you know, getting older. The, how did I say this? I love it when I do this. I wouldn't go back 10 years to be 10 years younger as opposed to having the wisdom and being who I am today. There is just a gift in aging <laughs> that you get wiser. So really keeping that space sacred for myself, right? I know that I need to go through it, honor that space, and then I can share. The other reason is that there's more value for you when I'm on the other side of things and can be more objective and find those nuggets and those lessons and just share the insight with a different perspective. So over the last 18 years, she has guided me through losing my husband, realizing I was playing the role of the victim. Ouch, that one hurt. And <laughs> I'll talk a little bit more about that. Navigating raising my kids on my own, financial challenges, starting and running my business. I have had challenges with my son through high school and beyond, losing my mom. And I'm going to tell you that thank God I had done the work prior. All the years, let's see, 2019. That was 16 years of therapy prior to losing my mom. I think that's the only way I was able to handle that loss. Ugh. Anyway, uh, moving out of California, moving to Costa Rica, and then leveling up my business. And those are sort of the quote unquote issues, for lack of a better word. The intangible things that I've worked through and still work through as much as I keep waiting to hear, okay, you're done with that. That's just not the case are feelings of not being enough, self-judgment. And you know what the funny thing, this is a little off script here, but the thing with judgment is really until I had done therapy, I I don't know that I was even conscious of self-judgment and how, I, I really don't. I assumed judgment was sort of this ego-based surface level, one person judging another. I just yeah, was not in my consciousness. Um, what else? Where resistance shows up in my life. Uh, complete and total self-responsibility. How to live my life from a spiritual place, a place of love. Allowing myself to want what I want. How to go all in. I think I did a podcast episode or a post on that one time. Uh, learning that I don't need to fix myself. This has been a recent realization. And then how to feel my feelings without telling stories about anything. And that one, whew, that's tough, but it is also a gift you give yourself in terms of when you're feeling a certain way. I think I gave you guys this example, quick story, and that is uh, around uh, Thanksgiving of last year. It was the first holiday that I think I had been without any family. Um, when I was up in Boise, I went back to... Northern California for Thanksgiving. My daughter had come up for Christmas. And so this was the first time that I hadn't been with family and holidays were a big deal in my family. It also happened to be my mom's birthday, which was like a double whammy. But what I did, and it was through, again, through this work and choosing to be conscious of how I was feeling and just feeling my feelings, I allowed myself to be sad without looking for stories to support feeling sad or, you know, God forbid, doing things like watching the memorial video of my mom, which would have just sent me upside down. I laid in bed. I cried. I let myself have my feelings. And I came through it sooner, for lack of a better word. So feeling my feelings without telling stories, 
I'm hoping that that connected the dots for you guys there. Obviously, uh, you know, and for I'm I'm sharing this is that I am going into much more detail in the podcast than in the show notes. So not that you need to go back to the show notes, but just FYI. Um, so all of these pieces work very cohesively together. So there isn't really a hierarchy to the impact it's had and has continues to have on my life. But if I were to choose one thing that has supported the growth and the ability to navigate everything else, I would say it's learning to take complete and total responsibility for everything in my life. This was a tough one also because remember that we bring our own preconceived ideas to to things. So responsibility to me, I was like, what do you mean I'm not self-responsible? I feel like I've had responsibility my whole life and have just, you know, it's, I'll tell you how, what I equated to responsibility was working hard and I've always worked hard. What do you mean I'm not responsible? This is a whole other ball game. All right. So after I got over myself and let this really sink in, I realized that this, this little piece, this is the key to the freedom I desire. Obviously there are things in life that we can't control. However, we can always, always, always choose how we respond. Here's the thing. The bottom line is that complete and total self-responsibility always means choice. I've learned that even if I don't want to do something, if I make a conscious decision not to do it, it's really hard to berate myself or make judgments. So as an example, uh, over the weekends, I, I, I still like working on the weekends, you guys go, go figure. But there's something about knowing that nobody's trying to get in touch and, um, meaning online, no one's in touch and nobody's expecting to hear from you. So I can just like tune out and work at the same time. I want a life. I moved to Costa Rica, right? And this has been a real struggle for me as another little side note about not doing more in Costa Rica. And I'm like, well, I'm going to be here for a while. So now I'm not too worried about it, but really feeling like I'm supposed to be going and doing and experiencing this country every day. Um, I've eased up on that. But this past weekend, I was invited to uh, like a, you know, swim barbecue kind of thing. And it's like, I need that too. So for me, choosing to go do that and be present, there's no guilt when I come back home and I'm like, oh, I could have gotten ahead of this or I could have done that. That makes sense. So really making conscious decisions. That's complete and total self-responsibility. And it means choice to me. Here's another great way to look at this from His, Holy Lo- His Holiness, the Dalai Lama. I love this quote. If a problem is fixable, if a situation is such that you can do something about it, then there is no need to worry. If it's not fixable, then there is no help in worrying. There is no benefit in worrying whatsoever. So the bottom line, <laughs> Susan tells me, it's like guilt. Doesn't, do, doesn't serve anybody. Worrying doesn't serve anybody either. It just robs us of the moment. It's so simple, yet we make it so hard. All right, before we get into how this impacts my business, I do want to point out one little thing and this little off script. I know how very lucky I am that I found my therapist, not only because of our relationship and that she's continued to work with me, but because of how good she is. I know a lot of people who have tried to find a good therapist and they've struggled. 
after a few tries, it's hard to want to like, you know, like I said, the, the first one that I went to is like, what the, and so you, if you go and you try a few different people, it can, it can be a little bit, I don't know, weary or, you know, on you. But, um, my hope is that this, uh, this episode encourages you to keep going. If this is something you want to find the right therapist for you. Um, I know without a doubt, and I'm going to tell you how many people in my life have benefited from me going to therapy also. All right. So how this impacts my business. And again, this is the impacts it's had for me. I'm hoping that you can draw some correlations to whether it's been a coach or a mentor or a dear friend who has helped guide you where you see um, sort of some parallels or maybe this is something you want to do for yourself. So when I started my business, I never had any intention of being a service-based business and doing websites. I will tell you that part of why I did that for so long was fear. And I, I probably get into this because now I'm going off script again. Was fear. But it also was something that people understood. Meaning... My parents, my uh, you know, extended family, everybody understood, oh, she builds websites. Nobody understood information marketing or the internet or blogging or content and email marketing. None of that made any sense to people in 2008, right? And so if I said I build websites, oh, great, you got a client. It was never what I wanted to do. I have jokingly said many times I would rather be the star than the producer, it's just my personality, right? What drew me to start my business was the freedom that I could create. I had already owned a business, meaning a physical retail scrapbook store that I owned. And I felt like I had only created a very low paying job for myself. And while it was a great dream at the time, I mean, that was 1998. Scrapbooking was big and it was blowing up. And I would have wanted to produce a line of stickers or paper. And I had some stickers published through another company, but, or open another store. I was doing it with a business partner and they had way more capital in it than I did. So it kind of just became this hobby and that wasn't what I wanted. And honestly, there is not enough money in the world that would get me to open a brick and mortar retail store today, but that's another rant for another day. <laughs> Although I have said, God, if I could figure out a way, I, the import stuff and getting things into Costa Rica, like, People haven't tried to figure this out, but dang, a, a store like Home Goods, there's a couple down here, little, but that stuff is hard to find. And I don't know, I, that would be a different story. Not to mention it would be fun to shop for it. <laughs> Moving on. I think I'd rather own it though than work it. I wanted to create something. I didn't want to just work in something I created, right? So here we had created the scrapbook store and it was fun, and there was only a couple in the East Bay, in the Bay Area where I was, and it was exciting, and people liked it, but, you know, I, there's something about creating versus working, right? Um, and I think this is a piece of what differentiates an entrepreneur from a business owner. And so, side note, this is totally my own interpretation of these two, of an entrepreneur versus a business owner. So, don't personalize this. If you see yourself as one, the other, or both. Most entrepreneurs are business owners. Quote, you know, 
key being most, but I don't think all business owners are entrepreneurs. Meaning you may have somebody, and I'm just grasping here, you guys, but maybe you have somebody that, you know, makes great pizza. So they want to open a pizza place because they've been told so many times, you should sell this, you should sell this, you need to open a pizza place. Great. An entrepreneur, an entrepreneur, easy for me to say, might want to scale that, right? They want to keep growing it. They want to expand. That That's my perception of this, right? Where somebody who owns, I think of a business owner as the early days of capitalism in a way, okay? And again, that's my perception and how I look at it, but um. I think there is something and somebody has just got that hardwired for, I want to make something and grow it and see how far I can take it that leans towards an entrepreneur. Anyway, so for as long as I could remember, I have felt like there was something else I was supposed to do with my life. I knew that the way there was through entrepreneurship. I just didn't know what that looked like. And again, if you had told me it would have taken me 14 years to get to my sweet spot, I would have thought you had lost your marbles. Again, ignorance is bliss. So the first time, <laughs> God, the first time Susan told me I was coming from a place of victimhood, I was stunned. I, I, you guys, I literally can remember where I was in my house, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> you know, in my head. Um, and she's always been direct with me. I really don't get away with much from a very loving place. Um. But I was, I was really just, what? You know, because victim is the last word I ever would have used to describe myself. But it hit me like a ton of bricks. And again, this is the value of a therapist that you trust because I have never felt um, like there was a, how do I say this? Like not the a personal attack or a dig. It was a, here's a behavior that behavior is displaying itself, demonstrating itself this way, therefore, and not as simple as an equation, you guys, but you know what I mean, right? But really it was, it was at that point that I knew I wanted to move through my life differently. And what I had been doing up to this point was, I would say more, and not being a psychologist, <laughs> but kind of behavioral therapy or counseling is what I'd been doing up to this point. And all of a sudden I was like ready to start peeling back the layers. And as an entrepreneur, it's very easy to get caught up in the blame game. And so here are a few examples as it relates to entrepreneurship in the blame gaming. Sorry, a little more water. It's like 92 degrees here, you guys. Yes, my AC is on. It's so funny when I, people are like, bundled and sitting outside of snow. This does not get old. Anyway. So, okay. Blame game examples. It's the client's fault. It's a contractor's fault. It's another creator's fault. Meaning you bought the course, the coaching and the, or the invested in the mastermind, but you didn't know X or it didn't work or whatever. Using software and tools. It's because this broke or this didn't work. Remember, these are just tools. You're not good at X, therefore you can't do Y. You don't have the money, you don't have the time. The worst part about the blame game is that when we're in it, we have a tendency to attract other people who support that attitude. And worse, they feed that belief system. 
uh, Susan said to me recently, which I was thrilled about that I have done a good job in terms of weeding my garden. I really do not have, and I'm sure they'll come up again. I'm I'm not (laughs) thinking I'm Scott free here, but I don't even have friends in the online space that bitch and complain and moan. I, I, I don't attract those people. Um, I most, yeah, I've had a few of those in my personal life from time to time, but they don't stick around. And there was a time when I had a couple of friends that were stuck in that space. And there was, it was constantly that struggle. And then I found myself struggling because you always have that person to go to, to bitch and complain about stuff. And now, you know, my friend, Leslie, what up girl? Um, we've grown together parallel. Now we, we do, we'll, we'll be talking to each other on and off throughout the day. And it's like, I need a rampage. I need to to reframe this. I need, so it's help me get out of my own way is basically what we do. And so you have to be careful about the people you have around you who feed this mentality. So I'm going to reframe the above examples from a place of complete and total self-responsibility. So the client's fault becomes, next time I'll be more clear, I'll set boundaries, or I'll say no. I'll circle back to some (laughs) Kim side notes on these. A contractor's fault becomes, I hired the contractor, what could I have done differently? Let's fix it. How can I be more clear again? Another creator's fault becomes, did I do everything I said I would? Did I finish the course? Did I implement each step, strategy, tactic, whatever. Did I pay attention to what I was buying? Meaning, was I ready for this level of commitment? Hear my heart, guys. We've all bought those programs that are above our heads. We're not ready. If you don't have an audience, if you don't have an engaged email list, if you do not have people to sell to, do that first before you think that a webinar, a course, a coaching program, a whatever, a product is going to solve your problems because you have to have someone to sell it first, to first, right? Anyway, software and tools. Did you learn to use it properly? (laughs) I'm starting to trip over my words. Did you use it properly before you needed it? Did you watch the tutorials? Did you read the documentation? So, you know, learning how to use funnel software you know, the week before you're launching is not smart. That's on you, boo. So just remember that. You're not good at X, therefore you can't do Y becomes I'm going to commit to understanding the fundamentals and practice what I'm not good at. I'm going to hire someone who is good to do that work. And one of the common things that I hear more often than not, as I have really sunk into this space of email marketing, just I love I have fallen in love with writing, surprisingly. And I don't know if it's that much of a surprise, but whatever. Um, so with email marketing and newsletters and the value of understanding copy, I mean, just stop to think about it, you guys. This is another off script. The fact that you can learn to write a better sentence, swap out that sentence and increase conversions. Don't you think that's worth learning? I think so. Anyway, it took me a while to get there. But one of the things I hear often is, I don't, I'm not a good writer, therefore I can't do email marketing. I can't launch a newsletter. 
guess what? The only way to get good is to practice it. I know I'm stating the obvious to you guys, but my first posts on the WordPress chick were heinous. I was like, who wrote this? But whatever, get better at it. Again, I don't know why there are certain areas of my life. This is a good Susan question. I'm going to send her this link. So I'm asking you (laughs) is interesting, right? Like the, the difference between not being afraid to fail with my business. I'm not saying I'm there's, there's still fears and I don't enjoy it, but versus getting in my own way on a personal level. Interesting. I'll follow up with you guys when I figure that one out. So again, taking responsibility to practice the thing that consistently gets in your way. For me, I was tired. I knew I wanted out of service work. I knew I needed leverage in my business. I wanted to create and put stuff on the world. I did not want to be building websites for people. And thank you to those of you who do and are good at it, right? We all have a different, um, we're all wired differently. And so it's just not my shtick. <laughs> but um, I lost my train of thought. Welcome to my brain. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. You don't have the money becomes, since I don't have the money, I'll make the time to learn. Or what can I do to generate the revenue in order to do X? Meaning, well, I don't have the money to buy this software or to, to invest in this coach or to buy this course that's going to teach me the skill set. All right. What can I do to generate revenue? And you might feel like that sounds very catch-22, but if you're building an online business, you've got a certain skill set, right? Whether it is in this space, meaning you're teaching any element of writing, whether it is content or email or copy, or you're teaching video, you're teaching podcasting, you're teaching content marketing. There's, there's so many different things there, right? Or maybe you're a yoga teacher. Can you take on private clients? Can you look around your house. What do I have that I don't need and can sell? I'm telling you, that's a good one. I had so much fun when I was leaving Boise. I knew I wasn't going to store a bunch of stuff. I do have a storage unit, but it's pretty much holiday decor, photos, and some books, and a little bit of mementos. But anyway, like I sold all my furniture. It became so fun that I was like, what else can I sell? What else? I started looking around the house. Like, what else can I sell? But I already been paring down. Anyway, Okay. So you don't have the money becomes I'm going to make the time to learn, or I'm going to figure out what I can do to generate the revenue. All right. And the last one, you don't have the time becomes I need to find a way to buy back my time. Who can I hire or barter with to get this done so I can create more time? Now, a word of caution with bartering is you're going to learn that this lesson I don't know. Maybe you won't. I learned it the hard way. I would barter with people where it didn't feel like there was an equal exchange. And this is where, (laughs) this is where you can end up creating beliefs that don't serve you. So as being at this kind of, um, I don't know, I love learning about spirituality and, and mindset and controlling, managing my thoughts and choosing my thoughts has been a big one for the last year or so. Um, I love learning about that stuff. So it's very easy to come across people 
who can coach you and mentor that and stuff. But I'm always, it's, it, I don't know why I didn't connect the dots. I think I was just hopeful. Um, but I, I didn't connect the dots when I was getting started. I ended up working with all these spiritual people that I'm like, how are you guys making money? I don't see sales coming in yet. They'd barter with me. And I'm like, I'm building a website. I don't need your services. Like it was, plus I've always had Susan, but the point being, you know, really my recommendation here would be to sit with it before you make a commitment to people. I remember one time somebody reached out to me and his wife had written a book and he was helping her and they wanted website help. And what floored me is that I had a hard stop on a call, but I'm talking to him. I'm like, all right, just a heads up. You know, I've, I've got a hard stop at, at half past or whatever. Keeps talking, keeps talking to me. Then constant text me. We need to get on a call. And I just, I was like, no, said this is, this arrangement isn't going to work for me. I wish you guys the best of luck. Bye. (laughs) And that was that. Um, but circling back to all of these examples, so they require a level of what I call entrepreneurial adulting that taking responsibility for getting the work done. Huge. Meaning I'm choosing to do this. I'm going to get it done or I'm choosing not to today. After my session this morning, I was tired. My eyeballs, I had been crying. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like I just, (laughs) you know, I'm like, no, I, I, I want to get, I need to get back in the right space. And here came this episode, which I'm really hoping is helpful. But the biggest thing with the self-responsibility is, you know, you need to have patience. Rome was not built in a day. It takes time to get better at your craft. And then once you get good at it, you can always go a level deeper. And so taking the time to look at maybe you deployed something, meaning you launched a product or a course or coaching. If nobody bought did, did nobody ever click? Was it that nobody opened the emails? There's data in all of this. So I think it's really important to realize that you are just learning what does and doesn't work. And the better you get at it, the more consistently show you show up, the more this is going to work. I have made this so much more difficult than I ever needed to be, than I ever need, than it ever needed to be. Meaning, Email marketing made the difference for me. In my business, paid traffic made the difference. You need an audience who has a problem. And if you can solve the problem, you can earn a great living, right? And you need to continue to grow the audience. But it's very easy to go sideways. There are so many tools and toys and strategies and tactics that when one doesn't work, instead of going on to the next one, circle back and say, I'm going to nail this and then try the next one. All right, moving on. The next one I want to talk about is how to live from a spiritual place and a place of love, which confession, I'm a little nervous about this part, but here we go. Time to hashtag just show up, right? My spirituality is a huge part of my life. I was raised in a traditional religion and somewhere in the last 15 plus years, um, I realized it wasn't in alignment with my values and beliefs. Um, I appreciate all religions from a theological perspective, and I absolutely trust that each person should do what feels most right to them. And, you know, it's interesting because in many ways, 
I appreciate sort of the basic morals that can come along with um, organized religion. Fortunately, you know, um, my parents respected my decisions and it really wasn't until I was an adult that it just hit me. Anyways, this is not to go sideways with religion. So let's come back to my spirituality being a huge part of my life. It's my friend, Karen Michaels. You guys probably listened to our podcast episode on Twitter recently. If you've not followed her, she did a great Twitter thread workshop. But one of the things she talks about often is curating your life, just like you can curate your social feeds. Hide, block, mute, unfollow, and eliminate the things that don't feel good. And I think it's brilliant. I've more or less always done this. I When did I cut cable? Five years ago? I probably stopped watching the news a good 15 years ago. And even then, it was probably like Good Morning America. I was on the treadmill at the gym or something. But um, I, I know for myself, I make very conscious decisions about what I consume, what I read, what I watch, what I listen to, who I spend time with, and the energy in my space. Because I'm putting a lot of money into a place I rent because it feels good. I just keep loving my place more and more. I mean, I'm super blessed. I probably have one of the best units in my building. I mean, I've got huge windows, vaulted ceilings. I can see the ocean. There's tons of, right? So I'm like, why not make this? I'm here, I right? I spend the most time in my place. I have no regrets. So I am doing that, right? I'm very conscious about the energy and how things feel. It's kind of like why I have my place cleaned every week. A, it's such a bargain. It makes me feel good. I love, A, I love employing someone, giving her consistent work. But B, I love having that time to not have to clean and my place feels great. So living from a a spiritual place and a place of love to yourself and others requires practice. And when I get off track, Susan always helps me get back to that place. My dominant intent is that I want to feel good as often as I possibly can. And you know, what's funny is I was talking to my friend Leslie today and she was like, God, I feel kind of just weary. And she's like, I'm just doing the work today. And I'm like, God, I, I kind of feel weary too. And <laughs> last night was one of those, I was tired, I think probably from being on the sun yesterday. And then I, I rarely go to bed this early. It was probably 940. And it was like one of those where I was fighting to stay awake till that time. And then I fell into a deep sleep. And have you ever done that where you're, you're so sound asleep and you wake up maybe to go to the bathroom or whatever. And I'm thinking it's two or three and I look at my phone. I'm all, Oh, it's 1150. I've been asleep for two hours. (laughs) Anyway, but I was talking with my friend and she's like, I don't like feeling this way. I'm like, (laughs) all I can think about was I say that Susan all the time. I don't want to feel this way, which is resistance. So it's like, eh, you know, and we get my friend and I get each other back on track. It's all right. Well, we know that we're having this kind of a day that we've got the other day coming soon enough. I want to feel good as often as I possibly can, which is why I'm 
always working at curating my life, even with hard decisions, which is something I was addressing this morning with Susan. And and it's tough. It's like, okay, I need to, I need space from this person. And what does that look like? So, you know, we are living through some crazy ass times, my friends. And like everything else in the world, the digital marketing space is going through some massive changes as well. I think the bullshit and sleazy marketing of the early days of the internet it just doesn't work anymore. The consumers too um, educated. They're they're much more aware of of practices and and how things are done, and it's very obvious. Now, let me say this because I'm speaking generally for the all of population, the consumer. <laughs> I don't know how objective I can be with my perception of this. Right, I'm in this space every day, so what I feel and what you know somebody else who just has an online business that is not centered in this space may have a totally different perception. Um, But I really, I feel that the space has matured. Big tech is being called out for their own shady practices and creators are tired of being the product. This is a whole piece that brings in, you know, again, not a crypto or finance expert, but there's something about that space and the disruption and like, deregulated finance being taken back into the power of the people, <laughs> which sounded very propaganda-y. But you know what I'm saying? And and so there is this piece in the digital marketing space. I mean, you look at NFTs, they're being integrated into products, and we're going to see all these different things happening. And it's because people are tired of being the product. Anyway, when it comes to marketing, I love understanding the psychology of consumer behavior and why people buy, but I just don't think you need to be a dick when you use persuasion and copy and marketing anymore. I also think there's a way to do it that you don't have to, I don't want to say this. I'm sure you guys have seen this where a lot of people do that. How to sell without being salesy, how to sell without being sleazy. It's like, isn't there another way to say that? You know, where, because to me, that's still picking at a negative. And when I figure this out, I'll let you know. But I do think there's a way to use more aligned, positive, right energy, you know, speaking to someone's desires versus constantly driving the pain. And again, I know there's all kinds of data and psychology on this, but I'm going to share an epiphany I had recently, which is. The data that exists is because that's what's been studied. Now, if we had all been abundance marketers, I'm making shit up, but abundance marketers who only created copy and content and it was done really, really well in a way that spoke to, you know, helping somebody to attain and gain pleasure, who knows, right? But anyways, I think these things are worth testing is all I'm saying. But the allure of the lifestyle, right? The entrepreneurial lifestyle has shifted to people wanting peace and a business that supports a quality of life, not a quantity of stuff. By the way, that's a click to tweet. That's what I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Um, But, you know, there are tried and true principles of direct response marketing. I'm not saying to throw them out and, uh, you know, decide to just you can't like there's stuff that works and there's stuff that doesn't, but I, I challenge you to, to test them, you know, use the strategies, but be clear about who you serve, how you help them. And honestly, when you're clear 
within yourself about your intentions for doing something, it will make all the difference in the world and how you market. So choosing to live from this place helps me get back on track anytime I go into worry, panic, or stress about something. Those have simply become indicators that I need to take a few deep breaths and refocus my energy or take a nap, get off the computer, be easy about it. The last thing I want to talk to you about regarding intentions, um, and then there's, we got a little bit more to go here, but when it comes to intentions, what I will say is every time I do something from that place of really wanting to serve people. So using email as an example, you guys, this was the biggest game changer for me. Email marketing works. It creates leverage. It There's something about knowing that, wow, you have a new offer out. It solves a problem that you can set up an email sequence and you can sell it. It's I will do that all day long over just cramming stuff out on social. And I'm not saying social doesn't work. But the point is, I love it that much that I want other people to find that freedom and to start generating consistent regular revenue through email marketing. My intention is to help people get over their fear of writing and sending and using email as their primary traffic source, right? When making offers. Okay. Where am I at here? Let's see. So here's, here's the last point in terms of how therapy, 18 plus years. Um, one of the things I talked about that's impacted my business is allowing myself to want what I want. And this is something that's really been over the last year that I've <clears throat> started to, for lack of a better term, sort of grant my per- grant myself permission to just want what I want. Um, and I think a piece of this is, you know, I spent a lot of years in the WordPress space and it kind of did a number on my head, honestly, about wanting what I want. Because initially the WordPress space was ta- was the touted community as the driving force, which at one point it was. I'm not hating on WordPress, you guys. This was my experience. But the general feeling in this space was kind of one of entitlement, meaning a lot of people thought WordPress is free. Why are you selling anything? It's all open source, you know, and it there was this attitude of, of, I don't know, look, being looked down upon, like you're the devil's spawn, if God forbid you wanted to sell anything. And honestly, most of this is on me. I had a lot of fears and hangups being in that space because of, um, again, not being a programmer and developer, just kind of falling in love with WordPress and having fun figuring it out. And so I didn't charge enough. Um, and this is even when I had developers and designers and a project manager. It's just Somehow I always felt, I don't know, like kind of an imposter, even though I never said I could, I never said I could do something we couldn't do, if that makes sense. Um, but, you know, having your own fears and hangups, it's not to mention I had some trolls and a-holes. So it's, you know, there are things that add up. But the bottom line, honestly, is that the more I got into content and marketing in general, not necessarily just content marketing, but creating content and then started looking at how marketing worked, the more I realized the WordPress WordPress space wasn't for me. However, I will forever be grateful because it gave me my business. Um, The bottom line is we serve no one by playing small, not charging enough, doubting ourselves, and no one's going to give you permission, meaning the market is not going to give you permission. 
You get to want what you want and do not apologize for it. Here's the thing. I don't care if you want to live in a shack in the hills or a mega mansion in Beverly Hills. Just be a decent human being. Okay. And I'm going to do a little bit of a call out here. I remember one time seeing something online and I don't know why people keep using this example because I rarely see it, but you know, for a long time in the internet marketing space, there was just these skadooshy guys with the Ferraris and all that. And I'm like, is anybody actually still doing that? But yet people keep calling it out. Like, like it's this prolific problem where people are being flashy. And I'm like, okay, guys, that's a tired argument at this point. But I remember a post and it was probably on Facebook where somebody was saying, you know, I just want to spend more time with my family. I don't want the flashy house and the cars and da da da. You know, which is basically saying that the person who does want those things doesn't want to spend time with their family. They are not mutually exclusive. So if you think you're being altruistic by living by your own values while judging someone else for living by their values, you're not doing anyone any favors. You're going to succeed faster when you just focus on you. Let people want what they want. And so for me, it's been hard to claim that in a way of what I want and what I want to create. And yes, I want a seven figure plus business. Yes, I want to buy property down here. Yes, I want property in the States. I have no problem claiming that anymore. And I'm not going to apologize for it. No one's asking me to, but and I thought I'd throw that in there. So all right, guys, this has been Whew, a little all over the place. Let's go ahead and wrap this up. And hopefully, you know, I, I really would love to hear from you guys if this was remotely helpful. And I know this was a, I don't know, different, different episode, um, a lot more intangible. I don't know. But either way, this is, this is me. This is a part of how I run my life. So I, there's just so much value in this. Anyways, So as long as my therapist is up for it, I'm going to continue working with her. I know her well enough now to know that she'll let me know if that time comes and it doesn't work for her. Um, And I don't think she would be doing this if it didn't work for her. So that being said, I am a big believer in coaches and mentors and obviously therapists and finding someone who supports who you are, where you want to go and helps guide you there is one of the best things you can do for yourself. It's a gift. And you know, she's taught me also that to be selfish, the opposite of that is to be selfless. And how, you know, it reminds me of the old analogy of putting your oxygen mask on first on the plane. And learning to live my own truth and stay in alignment is the best thing I can do for myself, for my business and the people in my life that I love. And it's, it's a tough one to swallow if you have been raised to do for others And I don't regret that either, but I am course correcting. And, you know, this, it doesn't hurt that she is, my therapist is one of my favorite people on the planet. And as Brene Brown always says, we are hardwired for connection and I will forever be grateful for this connection. So on that note, guys, I hope this helped you. Um, Feel free to let me know Um, more of these, less of these. Uh, Kimmy went sideways. Maybe this is self-serving, but either way, I love you guys tons. Thanks as always for listening and I will catch you next time. 
Have you signed up for F the Hustle yet? If not, now's the time. F the Hustle is a newsletter for vision-led entrepreneurs ready to ditch the hustle, grow a profitable business, and enjoy the journey. Just go to kimdoyle.com forward slash F the Hustle to sign up today.